So, if y'all know anything about me, y'all know that I like to move around. And during first service, I was from all the way over there to all the way over there, but we don't have online during first service. So they brought me a chair, and the next step is like a little doggy pen that I have to stay in so everybody at home can see me. So if you're tuning in with us online, good morning. (laughs) I will give you one um, tip, though. We have a handout this morning, and if you are at home and you're tuning in with us at home or on the road or somewhere, and you want these notes, we can get them to you. You just need to email Dawn at We Are South Point, and she can email you the notes so you at home can look at this. It's about 20 pages of notes. They're already online. There you go at home. They're already online. There you go. Don did you a solid. Now, so ladies and gentlemen, go ahead and grab your notes because you will need them this morning, okay? Now, just to let you know, if you are a guest with us this morning, good morning. I am not Pastor Jamie. I'm taller and I have more hair. (laughs) However, Pastor Jamie will be back next Sunday. And as you already know, he told us last Sunday that our summer series is called Summer School. And we're going to be touching over some of the basic stuff that we as believers in Christ, we just need to be reminded of. And last Sunday, we talked about rest. And so when Jamie asked me to preach today, um, I did not know that it was coming right off of preteen camp, but that's okay. That's why I almost don't have a voice. But um, I, I thought of it, I was like, you know, there's a lot of things that we as believers in Christ, we need to make sure that everybody in the room understands. Things like who is God and who are we? What is sin? Where do we go when we die? Because what I've found is we all don't know the right answer. Some of us do, but some of us have no idea. Get up in your seat. Sorry, I'm correcting my son. He's in here. All right. Now, go sit with Mr. J and Miss Lauren right now. Thank you. He's not in trouble. They'll keep him in line. (laughs) Now, Lauren will keep him in line. She keeps Jay in line. Anyway, so ladies and gentlemen, I wanted us to have a cram session, right? Because but when the teacher's away, what do you do? You study hard, right? You cram it all in. And so we're going to have cliff notes today. That's the, the sermon name today is cliff notes. And we're going to talk, talk about some basics that we as believers in Christ, we need to know. I was telling the first service, you know, when we buy a brand new car or a toy like a an ATV or a boat or something like that. We want to know everything about it, don't we? We want to know the terms of the contract. We want to know the interest rates. We want to know all the gadgets. We want to know where the seat warmers are. We want to know what mileage are we supposed to change oil. What kind of oil? Because new fancy cars take a different kind of oil and all. We want to know all the details, don't we? When we buy a house, we want to know all the specifics, right? But for some reason, when people say yes to Jesus, they don't want to know anything. It's just like, I got Jesus, and I'm going to heaven, and that's all. But that's the thing that we should dive in the most, right? We should know what the Lord wants from us. We should know what prayer is and what different types of worship are covered in Scripture, what the afterlife looks like. And we find it all in Scripture, in the Bible. And that's where some of us, we got to crack it open, and we've got to read what it says. So that's why you have a lot of notes today. I've given you a ton of scripture that talk about what we're already discussing this morning. And not just one script. Like I gave you 20 pages 
of Scripture to where, don't take my word for it. Because one thing that Christians, we have to understand is our opinion doesn't matter, does it? It's only what God says. Our opinion on a topic really doesn't matter if God has already clarified it, right? And so that's why I've given us 20 pages of Scripture. You don't even have to look them up. I've given them. Now you can go and reference them. Go and study them afterwards, okay? So the first thing's first. Follow along in your notes, okay? I will try and track, all right? There's places that you can write notes, but trust me, follow along if you have your notes. If you don't, one of our ushers can get you a packet if you don't have it. So let's look at topic number one. Humans. Let's all be on the same page when it comes to humans. All right? Number one, we're in the image of God. Scripture says that we are created in the image of God. Here's what that means, because a lot of people get that wrong. It means that we're triune. It means that human beings are triune. We have three parts. We have a soul, a spirit, and a flesh. The soul is eternal. That is what goes to heaven or not to heaven. That's the thing that is eternal. <laughs> our flesh is our meat suit. If you've ever seen men in black, remember the Edgar suit? That's our flesh. All right, That's our senses. Our spirit within us is dead before Jesus. That's why scripture says you were dead in your trespasses and sins. Well, if your soul is eternal and your flesh is alive so you can read it, what other part is dead? Your spirit. In fact, that's what you inherited from Adam. That sinful nature, you inherited from Adam a dead spirit. That's why when you, say, when you get saved, Jesus gives you the Holy Spirit to reconnect you. Because those are the wires that connect you, your soul, and God in heaven. All right? Some of us don't know that. Now, <laughs> and I've given you a diagram for those of you picture people, I've given you a couple of diagrams that you can follow along, okay? So let's turn the page. The next thing that we need to make sure that we understand is that we're separated from God. Every single human being that has ever walked the face of this earth except one, Jesus. We are all separated by God. We're separated by God through sin. So on your handout, I've given you some information what is sin? What is its source? Where did it begin? What does it affect? What does it cost? And what's the payment for sin? Because a lot of us have no idea when we got saved what happened. Some of us have no idea what was going on and what is going on. So first off, when we look at sin, it's any action or inaction, thought or desire that is in opposition of what God wants for us. Period. Now, here's the fun part. James, do we, get to, do we get to make the list of what is sin? No. He's already made the list of what is sin. It's not up to us. Remember, our opinion on the matter is irrelevant. It's, it's moo, according to Joey, right? Some of y'all will get that later. What's its source? The human heart. I love when, 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 when people talk about, oh, follow your heart. Follow your heart. And especially if they know Jesus, I want to smack them in the back of the head and go, no, don't follow your heart. Scripture says your heart is deceitful. Scripture says your heart is a bad thing to follow. It's kind of the moron central. But yet, how many times have we heard people, follow your heart? No, follow Jesus. Because Jesus will take you in a totally different way than your heart will. 
Because remember the flesh? The flesh still desires fleshly, earthly things. Sin. Your heart is part of your flesh. So don't follow your heart. Follow the Lord. And any time that your heart and the Lord come to a point, the Lord always wins. The heart always takes a back seat. Always. No matter the cost. <laughs> Where did it begin? Garden of Eden. What does it affect? On the bottom of page 2, do me a favor, look at that. A lot of us, one of the reasons why we don't repent of our sins and we don't throw it away is because we have no idea what sin does to us. We, really, we know sin's bad and we know that Jesus forgave us from it, but a lot of us don't realize what it does. And that's an important thing for a believer in Christ to know. <laughs> Number one, it killed the spirit of humans. Number two, the flesh was corrupt. Number three, Adam and Eve passed it on to the descendants. That's every human. Number four, it created an eternal separation between humans and God. That's why people that don't have Jesus can't go to heaven. It's not that God's being mean. It's that they have debt on their account that they haven't cleared. Well, an angry, a loving God wouldn't send someone to hell. Well, yeah, he would. And that doesn't take away from his love one ounce. If your debt is not cleared with God, you don't go to heaven. That's not him being mean. That's basic banking. <laughs> and the only way for us to clear it, as you see when you turn it over, what does sin cost? What is the cost? What's the price tag of any sin? Hear me. Any sin. Not humanity or the church's checklist of which sins is worse or less. No, no. Any sin, the price tag is death. That's eternal death. As well as spiritual death. That means forever separated from God. But check this out. What's the payment? How can you pay that price tag and pay for sin? Look at it. Look what it says. Look at what Leviticus 17 and Hebrews 9 says. Blood. Blood is the only currency that God will accept for the payment of sin. That's why going to church won't save you. The church doesn't have perfect blood to pay for sin, does it? That's why reading the Bible won't save you. The Bible didn't die on the cross and shed its blood for you, did it? Are those things good? Yes. That's why good works won't save you. You know, we've always heard people say, good works won't save you, and baptism won't save you, and all these things won't save you, but we never tell them why, right? It's because baptism doesn't have perfect blood. That's why baptism can't save you. Think about that. If Leviticus and Hebrews says that perfect blood is the payment for sin, who's the only source of perfect blood? Jesus. That's why Hinduism can't save. That's why Buddhism can't save. 
That's why paganism can't say, that's why a donut can't say, nothing can save you except Jesus because Jesus is the only source of perfect blood. Does that make sense? So let's turn the page. We're saved for God. I've talked about salvation. What is it? How does it work? If you turn the page, why is it needed? How is it obtained? And who can obtain it? Because a lot of people claim Jesus, but we don't know how it works. I wish you could have seen the eyes of the kids at preteen camp this past week. The kids had, they'd stood up during the service when we'd asked, did anybody, you know, want to make Jesus their king and their boss and their God and all that wonderful stuff. And... Um, we took them to another building just South Point so we could have a powwow with them and, you know, check and make sure that they understood, you know, and all that stuff. And then we prayed over them. <laughs> and I'll never forget, I was telling them about the Lamb's Book of Life. And I told them, oh, Miss Pope, I wish you could have seen their eyes. I mean, their eyes were this big. Jude, you saw their eyes. I said, guys, in heaven right now, there's this book. And I don't know how big it is, but it's got everybody's name in it that's ever accepted Jesus. And I said, the moment you accept Jesus, he writes your name in his book. Is that not awesome that your name, I don't think that's philosophical. I think there's actually a big old honking book with my name in it. And the, the, the notion that there was more to just, there was more than just saying yes to Jesus. There was more to the beautiful picture of salvation and being His. And I told one of the kids about spiritual gifts, and I said, Not only does Jesus give you the gift of salvation, when you open that box, there's cool little gifts called spiritual gifts in there. And he gives you abilities and ways of helping the church and ways of serving the church. And their eyes got really big. Because there's more to Jesus than just the boringness of average church. Praise God that we're kind of in the head here. It's fun here, right, Nikki? Amen. We've got people like me and you and Travis here. Woo-woo, you know? It's fun. And Carl. Carl's kind of with us. <laughs> it's fun here because we know that Jesus is exciting, isn't he? There's more than just boring pews. The Bible is an incredible book. Our God wrote the song of Solomon. Hello? This life in Jesus is incredible. And some of us look like we've gone to a funeral for 10 years. Some of us are going to be really shocked in heaven. My dad being one of them. My dad loves Jesus, but he's a Baptist man. I think Jesus is going to have pews for some people that can't let go for like the first 10 years of heaven. You know what I mean? Like, go to the pew. You'll catch on. You'll get excited. Just go to the pew now. You need the comfort, right? Turn the page. The second topic is God. <laughs> God. We got to know that God is triune because when God said, let's make man in our image, we got to know what he was making, right? Us triune because he is triune. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. I've given you a lot of notes that we are not going to cover. Turn to page seven. 
Because you need to understand what the Bible says about the Trinity. You need to understand when someone says your God is three and one, that doesn't make sense. Go, no, no, it actually does. Let me show you. Use your packet to help a Jehovah's Witness understand biblical truth. This is the best picture I've ever seen of describing the Trinity. And I've looked at several. Best one that I've seen that helps our human mind wrap around the mystery of our God. And it's in your packet. (laughs) In the middle of page 7, it talks about Christophanies. Because some of us have a problem with Jesus being fully God. Jesus is fully God just as much as God the Father is fully God. Just as much as the Holy Spirit is fully God. And do you know that in the Old Testament, Jesus popped up several times? It's called a Christophany. Do you know that Jesus was the guy that Adam and Eve were walking with in the garden? Do you know that Jesus was the guy that touched Jacob's hip when they were wrestling? Did you know that Jesus was the guy that was walking and Moses was like, I want to see you. And God said, I'll show you my backside. That was Jesus. Shackrack and Abednego in the fiery furnace, Jesus was with them. And you go, wait a minute, J.D., you're stepping. Doesn't John say that no one has seen the Father at any time? If John is true, then all of the Old Testament experiences when humans saw God, it was Jesus. Otherwise, John can't be true. You see how when we open the book and actually read it, it helps us? Some of your minds just got blown. I'll give you a minute. I see some of your faces. You're like, do I get angry? No, the Bible says it. I don't know what to do. It's okay. Read the book. I'm not, I, this isn't my opinion. I'm just telling you what the book says. How many of you didn't know that it was Jesus, God the Son, walking in the garden before I said it? Raise your hand. See? Cramming. It helps. Let's turn the page. The characteristics of God, we have omni-statements. There are six of them. Omni is Latin for all. Here's the reason why I put that in your packet. Some of us think God is bad. Some of us think God is unfair. Some of us think God is unjust. How could a loving God send someone to hell? God will love me the way that I am. And all the wonderful things that we convince ourselves, it's just not true. God, look at this slide. Here are the statements. Omni-eternal, omnipresent, omnipotent, omniscient, and omnibenevolent. It means he's all-existing. He has no beginning. He always has been. He is all-present, meaning he is in yesterday, today, and tomorrow all at the same time. Little side note, have you ever heard the teaching that God's not in hell? It's the one place that he's not in? That's unbiblical. Because if he's omnipresent, doesn't he have to be everywhere? Now, he doesn't make his presence known there. Omnipotent, he's all-powerful. You will have people in life make arguments like, well, I can't believe in your God because... If your God is all-powerful, can he make a rock so big that he can't pick up? You ever heard that argument? It's flawed logically. Let me help you. <laughs> no, and, and that's, if a Christian will lose it if they don't know how to answer that. Because you're like, uh, I don't know. It's an illogical question. 
That's like asking, can God make a married bachelor? Or can God make a round square? It's an illogical principle. A rock is in the physical world. Our God is in all. His boundaries are not the physical world. Rock's boundaries are the physical world. How can you have a rock go into the spiritual realm? You can't. The rock is illogical, not God's power. Did you catch that? Because if he's all powerful and he's all knowing and the last one he's all loving, do you know what that means? That means every single thing that God allows to happen to you, he knew it and he allowed it and he's good. You know what that makes us? That, that gives us a choice. We either believe that God's characteristics are what they are and we align our heart and mind behind them. Or we allow our circumstances to tell us we get to change what we think about God. Those are our two options as Christians. Sometimes friends will die. Sometimes teenagers will die. Sometimes people will have a rough go. Sometimes people will get abused or raped or murdered. Sometimes people in our family get cancer. If those things are true, circumstances will never change those things. He will always be good, even when we can't understand it. He will always be all-knowing, even when we can't understand it. He will always be all-powerful, all-present, and all-eternal, even when we can't comprehend it. Your God is not Plato that we get to change. Your God is God, and we are the clay in His hands. We must have a paradigm shift. Doesn't mean we have to be okay with it. Sometimes it hurts, doesn't it, Megan? Sometimes we go, God, what now? I don't know what to do. And God says, let me heal you. And then let me use it through you. I didn't let you go through it because I'm sadistic. I let you go through it because I want you to use it to bring other people to me. Everything that you've been through and will go through is ordained by God or allowed by God for Him to use it through you to draw other people to Him. Yes, that means when you have that abortion that nobody else knows about, He's waiting to use that story. Yes, when you were raped and nobody knows about it, He's wanting to use that to minister to other people that need Him that are waiting on you to get out of the way to let Jesus go through. Cody is a walking testimony of letting God in him and through him minister to people around him. That man is a testimony that he does not mind sharing because he will let God do with it whatever God wants. I've seen him do it before. It's amazing to watch. You've seen it, Jay. Cody does not mind stepping out of the way and let God use whatever he wants to use. Let's turn the page. We get to the bottom of page 10. We're going to shore up the non-negotiables of Jesus. Nikki, this is the stuff that we fight on. Not physically, but spiritually. This is the non-negotiables. We will not give an inch on these things. Number one, or A, God Almighty 
Jesus the Son is God Almighty. He existed eternally. He created the world. He has authority over the world. Page 12, he accepted worship. He forgave sins. And he claimed to be God. Turning to page 13, he allowed other people to claim he was God. And the New Testament non-gospels also claim that he was God in multiple places. You'll find some people that are critics of our faith that will tell you Jesus really didn't claim to be God. That's not true. That's a lie. Scripture says otherwise. Christians that do not, knew the, do not know the word get washed away by the lies of the world. Those of us that know the truth of Scripture, we stand firm on the rock. Know the word, read the word, teach the word to your children. Because the world will wash them away if you and I suck as parents. I'm a school teacher, guys. I see it all the time. I see the little timid Christian that doesn't know what to do and just gets washed away by the friends. I've seen it too many times. If you're still breathing and you're a parent, I don't care how old your kids are, your job's not done. If you're a parent and you're not dead yet, your job as a parent is not done. Ever. Ever. Now your, your role changes, but it doesn't go away. Now you're, now you're a mentor. Now you're the person that can drop a topic and go, hey, let's discuss this over email. Hey, I got a cool question for you. I just want to know where you stand. Guide your children until there's no breath left in your lungs. Guide them to Christ. Guide them in Christ. Because the world wants to kill them. Born of a virgin. That's important because as we learned earlier, Adam and Eve passed the dead spirit, the sinful nature, to every human. It's passed through the Father's seed, if you're following me. That's why Jesus couldn't have Joseph as his earthly dad. Joseph couldn't pass it to him. It had to be a virgin birth. That way he could live. The next letter, C, completely sinless. Our Savior has to be sinless. Remember what the cost of sin was? Remember what the payment of sin was? Guys, a Jesus that has sin is as stupid as fat-free cream cheese. It's like Chick-fil-A without Chick-fil-A sauce. What's the point? It's like Texas without Dr. Pepper. Rude. He has to be sinless. That's not optional. It doesn't work if he has sin. Next slide. D. He died on a cross. Yes, it was a cross. When Jehovah's Witnesses will tell you it was a stake, that his hands were crucified above, tell them no, because the gospel says nail, plural, in wrists, plural. If it was here, it would have been one nail, and that word would have been singular. The gospel says nails, it was out like this. Know your Bible, know how to defend your faith. Yes, it was a cross. Yes, it was torture. Yes, there were women that, and children that would stand along the path of the people that would walk to the crucifixion sites 
and they would have wooden rods that they would hit men in the genitals to knock it off. Yes, he was nude when he was on the cross. Yes, the flagrum that they beat him with, with 40 lashes, would have possibly exposed his spine and his colon. Yes, he fully died. And yes, we murdered him. Don't blame the Jews. We don't blame the Romans. We point to ourselves, don't we, Jen? Because in reality, we did it. I used to think that Good Friday service, so many people don't attend a Good Friday service. And I used to think they, just, they were just being flaky Christians. I, I, I confess that. But then I learned something. Good Friday service is the most awkward and difficult and hard service to ever attend, isn't it, Jay? Because we have to sit in our own filth for a moment and we have to sober up to the fact that we killed our God. Because our God loved us so much that he put his own life on the line so that we would not spend forever separated from him. God doesn't want anybody to go to hell. Scripture says that, right, Janie? It says that God does not want any to perish, but all to come to know him. But some people are going to be big-headed and not. That doesn't mean we don't stop trying, right? Let's go to E. Imminent return. Parents, if your children are believers in Christ, do me a favor. Old parents... Like your children are not 18 anymore, they're, they're, they're out of the nest. Kathy, call your son and your daughter, because I know they're old. I'm not old, but like they're adults. I've been at preteen camp, I'm sorry. The whole the lingo is off. I gotta reset. Parents, make sure that your children know Jesus said when he comes back, it will be in the clouds. If a human being stands on this earth and claims to be Jesus, they are lying too many people followed Jim Jones too many people followed David Koresh too many people follow false Christs right now on the earth there's a church in Houston that has thousands of believers because their, their, their pastor claims to be the risen Christ second come When I was a youth pastor, I used to tell kids two things. Never get a tattoo on your hand or head, just in case. Mark of the beast, just in case. And number two, Jesus will meet you in the clouds. Never believe in anyone who claims to be Jesus that isn't sitting their happy butt on a cloud. But you can remember that, can't you? And it can help you put a defense in your child's head of do not believe in false Christs. Heather, all through scripture in the New Testament talks about false Christs, doesn't it? Guard yourself against them. Well, that's serious warning. Let's go to the third topic, the afterlife. Several of y'all know that we lost one of our brothers in Christ back in March. Shuby went to heaven. 
I've had many conversations with people that do not understand what the Bible says about death. Did you know that the Bible says that your days are numbered? Tanya, my friend, has a day that she will die. Jesus has already assigned it. And there's nothing that she can do to add to that day. Some people die at 5. Some people die at 50. Some people die at 36. Some people die at 102. And there's nothing you and I can do about it. Because that's what the Bible says. Read the scriptures that are right there. It'll tell you. Man cannot add a day. So guess what? All you people that like going to the gym, I love you. You ain't adding nothing. Ha! I'm going to eat a donut. Praise the Lamb. We giggle. How many of us did not know that we have a day where we will expire and it's already set? Raise your hand if you, if you genuinely thought, I'm just going to die whenever I die. Okay, good. We all knew that. Otherwise, some people are going, uh uh-uh, I raise my hand. So you know what that means? That means on March, on March 30th, Shuby's day was to go to heaven on that day. That was already decided. That wasn't a surprise. That was what Scripture says. His day was numbered, and no one on this planet could have stopped that. No one. I had a cousin die at 26. That was his day. I've known children that die at 5 and 6. That's their day. Now, Lauren, do we have to, do we have to understand it? No, it's confusing to us, isn't it, Jody? Why some people live and why some people die. But we must take our opinions and our views and lock them behind what Scripture says, don't we? We don't get the option of reinventing what the Bible says. We are the clay. He is the molder. It's not the other way around. I had another, another conversation with a friend <laughs> that was... Um, that didn't know what, what Shuby was doing right now. Like, is he asleep? Will he wake up in heaven? Is he in heaven? Is he, he was confused. And it, and it kind of short-circuited my brain there for a little while because I was like, whoa, 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 whoa. This is some of that stuff, Cody, that when you sign on to Jesus, you need to understand what you're signing on to. And then I realized, oh my gosh, most of us have never read Luke 16 where Jesus tells us what the afterlife is like. So turn to page 16. I'm giving you nice diagrams. I worked hard on those, guys. I worked hard on those. Some of us have never heard of Abraham's bosom. Because we've never read Luke 16. It's right there in your your packet. And no, I did not edit it. (laughs) You see, there's a thing called the grave. Scripture talks about the grave a lot. The grave is where you put dead bodies when they expire. The dirt, the grave, a coffin, cemetery. Unless it's like, you know, an urn or like burial at sea. But like, you know, you know what I'm saying? Grave, grave. Where the dead bodies go. The grave. And then Jesus said that there was this, there was this afterlife where there was a good side and a bad side. And there was a great ditch or a chasm in between. And they could see each other. The good side is called Abraham's bosom. The bad side was called Hades. Hades was anguish and pain. 
And Abraham's bosom is places like where Rahab and David and Solomon and Moses were hanging out until Jesus needed to do what he needed to do. Heaven before the cross did not have people in it. It had God and the celestial beings like angels and seraphim and stuff like that. And there's a place called Tartarus where the fallen angels are being held even still now. Because they haven't been judged yet. But they were so bad, God put them in Tartarus as a holding cell that was worse than Hades. When Jesus died on the cross, because scripture talks about him descending and ascending, right? Well, where did he ascend to? Jesus didn't go to hell. He went to Hades. He punched death in the face. He took the keys from him. He went to Abraham's bosom. He loaded up everybody that was in Abraham's bosom. And he took them to heaven. What did he say to the cross, uh, to the criminal that was dying beside him? For today you will be with me in, and that's heaven. So he took all the people that were waiting on him, and he took them to heaven. And as of right now, Abraham's bosom is empty right now. Hades is still full of people that do not have forgiveness of their sins. Right now. Heaven has the believers in Jesus right now. James, you know Jesus. You die right now, you go to heaven. Some of us didn't know that. Some of us, how many of you were told, heaven or hell, growing up, right? That was unbiblical. It was just unbiblical. Because right now it's heaven or Hades. And Hades and hell are different. And you go, semantics. No, incorrect information. It's in the book. we got to read the book. we got to study the book. we got to know the terms of the contract. Now, space bar. <laughs> when Jesus comes back, and the resurrection of the dead. And we believers will be judged. And then there's the great white throne of judgment that everybody else will be judged. At that point, the grave will be empty. Because everyone will be resurrected to be judged. There will be a new heaven and a new earth. The old heaven and earth will, be, they will pass away. That's what scripture says. Hades and Abraham's bosom will be empty. Void. The place of eternal torment is called hell, Gehenna. No, excuse me, Gehenna is the grave, my, my apologies. Or the lake of fire. It is a, how many of y'all have seen the commercials where the devil is the one torturing people in hell? That's unbiblical. The devil's going to be tortured just as much as people who don't know Jesus. That's why the devil isn't in hell. The devil doesn't want to go to hell. The devil knows that that is where his eternal punishment is awaiting him. And he is scared to death of it. It wasn't made for people. It was made for Satan and his fallen. And so people say a loving God wouldn't send people to hell. No, a loving God wouldn't force people to spend forever with him when they don't want him. That's what a loving God wouldn't do. Why would you force someone to spend forever with you when they don't want you? That's unloving. Yeah, but hell's worse. 
Well, they don't want him, so why would they want to spend forever with him? Turn the page. The last one is warnings. I'm going to give a disclaimer that I want everyone in this building to hear. The Lord Jesus Christ said the greatest commandment that he has ever given his people is to love God with everything we have and to love everyone else, period. Love does not mean acceptance. I'm supposed to love Janie, but if she's kicking my daughter, I don't have to love that, right? i got to love her because she's made in the image of God, and Jesus wants her to know him, and she has value in the Lord's eyes. One of my favorite stories, I know it's a little macabre. Y'all know the son of Sam, the serial killer guy in New York that killed like a bunch of people? Do you know he accepted Christ in prison? And started leading Bible studies. Does it, does, it make, does it make what he did disappear? No. And are those families in pain? Yes. But if a murderer, if a mass murderer can come to know Jesus, who am I to say no? Because isn't that the older son in the prodigal son story? You remember the prodigal son? Wasn't it the older son that was pouting? Because the father gave redemption to the younger son. And he's like, no, 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 get over yourself. This is a good thing. So I'm going to give that disclaimer. When Jesus gives redemption to anyone, to anyone, regardless of the sins that they have to struggle with and walk through while on this earth, when Jesus redeems them, I say glory, hallelujah, You want to know why? Because I say glory, hallelujah, because he redeemed me of mine. And I don't need the checklist of which sins are worse or better. The only reason that I have this warning in the handouts is because I am tired and I'm weary of believers in Christ not following their Savior but expecting salvation from him. It's angering me. Every single person sitting in this room has had deep temptations and struggles. Every one of us. Pride, gluttony, sexuality, whatever it is. We don't get to have a checklist of sins that are better or worse. Because we don't have the perfect blood, do we, Carl? We just get to follow the greatest commandment. Love. I will tell you right now, I would happily walk into this church building if we had people that are struggling with prostitution, if people that were struggling with depression, if people that were struggling with gluttony, adultery, homosexuality, uh, witchcraft, bring them in. Let them sit beside us. Because all of us need Jesus. That doesn't mean that we give them a pass on their sin. But that's not our job. Our commandment is to love. His commandment is to sanctify and redeem. Amen? But what that means is the Christian flag is the one that we're supposed to be flying. 
The flag of love and redemption. The flag that we get to stand up and go, no, 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 no. He redeems anyone and everyone that wants him. Our job is just to get behind him and be a cheerleader. Woo, Jesus, save that prostitute. Woo! We laugh, but didn't he do it in the New Testament? Didn't he? He loved hanging out with whores and tax collectors. Why shouldn't we? Now, that doesn't mean that we put a rainbow flag on the front. No, Scripture's clear. But we also will never start hating people because of something that they struggle with. In the same way that I don't want you to hate me for something I struggle with. If we cannot share the love of Christ to the world, the world will never know Him. Remember, every single person on this planet is dead, spiritually speaking. They do not have forgiveness for their sins. They must know Jesus. They must. Can I tell you something? We need to be far more worried about ministering to the Christians who struggle with sin. Not struggle. I'm, excuse me, not, not tempted. We're all tempted still. I'm in the people that are in struggles. I'm in the people that are in battles right now. Stuff like grief counseling. You're ministering to people in the name of Jesus because you do not want them to be in a trench of depression and suicide. Told this to first service. When was the last time that you heard a church preach and encourage people that are struggling with homosexuality? Not non-believers. Christians. When was the last time that we heard someone say, you've got three options. You can either A, we understand that your struggle is real. If you have Jesus as your Lord, you have three options. Number one, you need to lead a life of celibacy. Because Jesus doesn't want you entering into that relationship. It's not his plan for you. And that means you be a Christian and you live a celibate life. And you glorify him for the next 40 or 50 or 60 years that you have left. And then eternity, you can look at your Savior with no shame on your eyes that you betrayed him. Number two, maybe take a step of faith and trust that the Lord might be able to restore heterosexuality within you. He made Jupiter. He can restore that, right, Jody? I mean, he's God, right? I'm not talking shock therapy and all that stupid crap. I'm talking about God's power of redemption in his believer. Because don't we expect the same thing for a person who struggled with drunkenness? Or a cocaine addiction? Or a life of prostitution before Jesus? Don't we expect God to redeem them too? God might, might give them restoration of their sexuality. And God might give them a husband or a wife in a covenant biblical marriage and they might have children. It's possible. I've seen it. Trust me, I've seen it. Or their third option is deny their Savior and live the life of sin that their Savior died for in open rebellion. And nowhere in those three scenarios does it give any of us a chance to hate them or treat them bad 
No, we don't fly the rainbow flag. We fly Jesus' flag. But I, I want to give you permission, Christians. You can be loyal to your Savior and love a person who doesn't know Jesus. That's okay. Every single person in this world deserves love. It's the greatest commandment, isn't it? I would love to see Jesus redeem a witch. Oh, don't get me wrong. They walk in, I'm going to be praying some spiritual battle stuff. I would love to see, I would love to see a pimp walk into this place and get by the Holy Spirit and redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. Come on! I, I saw y'all. When we said nine got saved at preteen camp, y'all were like, what? What? If I wasn't so fat, I'd be cutting cartwheels right now. We are talking nine people who were dead in their sins and trespasses, who have called upon the name of the glorious King and God Almighty to redeem them, and they will spend forever with Him. The hamster just got off the wheel and was like, I'm out, I'm done. One of them's right there. Glory, hallelujah. No, stand to your feet. Stand up. Stand up. If you're going to cheer that a daughter in Christ has been found, louder. That, that is the kind of, y'all, let me see That's the kind of excitement that we need. We got to understand what's at stake. Eternity. Hell. Heaven. The very souls of people. And the last thing that I wanted to talk to you about was spirituality, and then we're done. Most of y'all know that I'm a junior high teacher. I see it. I see it daily. I see students praying to demons openly. And mamas and daddies that are homeschooling your children, I respect your decision. Let me start with that. It's not the, that's not the road that my wife and I took, but I fully respect your decision. But do me a favor. Do not do it out of fear of the world. I hold homeschooled parents to a higher standard than public education, stand, uh, public education because you have the chance to raise fierce, God-fearing, biblically-based warriors for the kingdom. Do not make your children afraid of the world. You will fail. It is not for fear of the world that you keep them in your home. It is to train them for battle. Because God wants your children to be lights that are bright for Him. And they need to shine for Him. Guys, I know too many Christians that horoscopes, Ouija boards, tarot cards, palm readings, witchcraft. Well, Wiccan's not witchcraft. It's not Jesus. 
fortune telling. Mediums on the television that talk to dead people. Uh Uh-uh. You you better read what those scriptures say in that packet. Read them. Enneagrams and all that in business. How about you stick with Jesus? There's enough for us to do in Christianity so we don't have to be worried about all that wild stuff outside. But you better make sure your kids know that too. You better make sure that your children know that a Ouija board can be a door for a demon. I've seen it. Don't wait for the world to train them in spirituality. Do your part. And I'm preaching to me too because i got an eight-year-old right there that's going to be asking me questions. What's a Ouija board? I'm going to have to do it. But the last thing is the greatest thing. Love. Screaming and hatred and vinegar will never get the gospel to where God wants it to be. Avoidance of talking about sin and ignorance and putting your head in the sand because you don't know how to have a difficult conversation with people will never get the gospel to where God wants it to be. Believers in Christ, knowing Christ, knowing what Christ has said, obeying Christ, and following the greatest commandment will get the gospel where God wants it to be. Jesus called us to be a light in the world. He never said it was going to be just tiptoeing through the tulips easy. He said, my burden's light. It's easy. It's, that yoke, it's easy and my burden, it's light. But it doesn't mean that it's, it's just smooth sailing. We love him and every single person we see because that is the commandment that the Lord said are the biggest. Yes, that means loving Democrats. Some of us, that burns though, doesn't it? That means we love Al-Qaeda. Nope, Jesus. I, I, I got you though, girl. I mean, We're all thinking the same thing. That means that we pray for Nancy Pelosi. It says what it says. We don't get an option. That means we pray for socialists and communists and capitalists all alike. We put on our Jesus undies and we follow him. If we want him to save us, we owe him that much. We love racists. We love anybody that we disagree with. Anybody. We will follow our king even if it costs our life. Because it costed his To get us into the family.
Let's pray. Father, I'm thankful that there's so much about you that we don't understand. Because I don't want to serve a God that I can fully understand. I want a God that's bigger than me. That's bigger than my, my thinking capabilities. I want a God that is so magnanimous and incredible that just at your name, I'm speechless. Father, there's hard things that you've told us that we have to be obedient to. They're hard, Father. So we beg you to give us mercy and grace and strength and courage and bravery to be faithful to you and the things that you've set before us. But that doesn't mean that, that you're not with us, because you are. You want to teach us how to love the people that we think are unlovable, because you love them. Because you loved us when we were unlovable. You love us still when we're unlovable. Thank you for that perfect blood that forgave our sins because we're not worthy of it, Lord. I beg you, Jesus, that if there's any person in this room who was hurt by anything that was said, please show them, Father, that I love them deeply but way more than my love is your love that spans eternity. You want them and your kingdom and your family in forever with you. Thank you, Jesus. Ask all of these things, Lord, in the name of Christ. Amen.